0: Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Monday, January 4th, the first day of 2021. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Google slash Alphabet Workers launch an official union drive. We've got a date for the Galaxy Unpacked event. Microsoft wants to give Windows a good scrubbing this year. Everyone wants a piece of share chat. Gazelle is getting out of the trade-in business, and LG doesn't want to give up on TV screens you can hide away when not in use. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Earlier last year, we spent some time talking about a sort of civil war going on inside of Google. A lot of it involved activism and politics, but some of it also involved unionization movements, and the tactics management was allegedly using to, shall we say, discourage such organizing. Well, things seem to have come to a head right away in 2021, as a group of over 200 Google and Alphabet workers have announced their plan to form a union, which would be open to both full-fledged employees and contractors. They are being aided in this effort by the Communication Workers of America Union's Campaign to Organize Digital Employees. The erstwhile union is calling itself the Alphabet Workers Union, quoting TechCrunch. Of the roughly 227 workers who have so far signed on to support the union, they have all committed to set aside 1% of the yearly compensation to go toward union dues. The bulk of the workers who have signed on are mostly based in offices in the San Francisco Bay Area and one in Cambridge. This is historic. The first union at a major tech company by and for all tech workers, Dylan Baker, a software engineer at Google, said in a statement. We will elect representatives we will make decisions democratically, we will pay dues and we will hire skilled organizers to ensure all workers at Google know they can work with us if they actually want to see their company reflect their values, end quote. Efforts to unionize at Google and Alphabet come following the creation of unions at tech companies Kickstarter and Glitch earlier last year. Additionally, workers at HCL Technologies, workers who contract for Google in Pittsburgh, and tech company cafeteria workers in the Bay Area formed unions last year. You have an industry of workers. The new generation of workers and the industry, especially tech and games, has been growing exponentially with young people. Code CWA union organizer Wes McCaney previously told TechCrunch about why we're seeing more tech companies organize. Quote, some of them make a lot of money and are working at companies that do really bad things. I think they're at a position socially where they're like, enough is enough, end quote. Mark your calendars because Samsung has officially announced its Galaxy Unpacked event, which will be held January 14th where, of course, it is expected we will see the new Galaxy S21, S21+, and S21 Ultra flagship smartphones, quoting The Verge. There's not a lot to glean from the event teaser video you can watch at the top of this post, which appears to simply be the Galaxy S21's camera module floating inside a translucent cube, but practically every detail of these new phones already seems to have leaked, including sharper animated GIFs of what those modules should look like. Samsung also appears to have a new tile competitor on the way for tracking lost items, and a set of Galaxy Buds Pro wireless earbuds. We wouldn't be surprised if one or both appeared alongside the new phone lineup. The tagline from the announcement? Welcome to the everyday epic. The event will kick off at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern. Also at The Verge, Tom Warren says that Microsoft is intent on turning over a whole new leaf in the new year, at least when it comes to Windows. He says the company is planning what he calls, quote, a sweeping visual rejuvenation of Windows, end quote, quoting from his piece. That's according to a job listing posted by Microsoft recently, advertising for a software engineering role in the Windows Core User Experiences team. Quote, On this team, you'll work with our key platform Surface and OEM partners to orchestrate and deliver a sweeping visual rejuvenation of Windows experiences to signal to our customers that Windows is back and ensure that Windows is considered the best user OS experience for customers, end quote. Microsoft quietly removed references to this sweeping visual rejuvenation this morning after several Windows enthusiasts spotted the job listing over the weekend. While Microsoft has been promising visual overhauls of Windows 10 for years thanks to its fluent design system, rumors suggest the company is planning big user interface changes for Windows that will debut later this year. Codenamed Sun Valley Windows Central first reported on these UI changes back in October. Microsoft is planning to overhaul the Start menu, File Explorer, and built-in apps in Windows 10 to modernize them and make the UI more consistent. Some of the UI changes will also include updates to the sliders, buttons, and controls that are found throughout Windows and the apps that run on the OS, end quote. Interesting raise, or at least an interesting rumor about a raise... Both Google and Snap are apparently in advanced talks to invest more than $200 million in Indian Twitter-like social network ShareChat at a greater than $1 billion valuation. So I say it's interesting because it's interesting to see two competing platforms joining forces here. And Twitter, which already invested $100 million in ShareChat, is also apparently sniffing around for another possible re-up investment. Given that intense interest, and since maybe you were not previously aware of ShareChat, tell us more, TechCrunch. Quote ShareChat's marquee and eponymous app caters to users in 15 Indian languages. In an interview with TechCrunch last year, Ankush Sachdeva, co founder and chief executive of ShareChat, said the app was growing exponentially and that users were spending on average more than 30 minutes on the app each day. The app has amassed 160 million monthly active users, up from 60 million from the same period last year. If the deal goes through, it would be the first investment from Snapchat's parent company into an Indian startup. Google, on the other hand, has been on a spree as of late. The Android maker last month invested in Daily Hunt and Inmobi's Glance, both of which operate short video apps. Like the two, ShareChat also operates a short video app. It's called Moj, and has amassed more than eighty million monthly active users as of September last year, the startup said at the time, quote, India could never have dreamed of having a homegrown social media platform had ShareChat not embarked on the impossible in twenty fifteen. ShareChat's success has given immense hope to India's startup fraternity and motivated entrepreneurs to take audacious bets in India's internet ecosystem, said Madukar Sinda partner at India Quotient, one of the earliest backers of ShareChat, end quote. So is this the first fallout from TikTok being banned in India? What was it, six months ago? We're being sponsored today by a company on a product that longtime listeners know I have used for years and cannot, literally cannot live or at least work without it. OnePassword. OnePassword combines industry leading security with award winning design to bring private, secure, and user friendly password management to everyone. Companies lose hours every day just from employees forgetting and resetting passwords. A single data breach costs millions of dollars. OnePassword secures every sign in to save you time and money, any device, any time. OnePassword lets you securely switch between iPhone. get a free 2 week trial at onepassword.com/ride. That's 2 free weeks at the number one, the word password, all one word.com/ride. onepassword.com/ride. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E.com slash ride. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And I should probably catch you up on a few things that happened while we were away. For example, have you ever traded in a gadget to Gazelle, one of the longest running secondhand gadget buyers in the US? Lord knows I have. Well, Gazelle has announced that it will end its core trade-in program on February 1st, and apparently this is a sign of how things have changed in the refurbished gadgetry market, quoting The Verge. Gazelle doesn't give a reason for the decision, but there are a few major trends in the U.S. mobile business that point toward a general decline in the benefits of cash trade-in services. For one, many more people now than in years past lease their smartphones instead of buying them outright a broad shift from the days when U.S. carriers offered reduced-price phones in exchange for firm two-year contracts. Now, it's quite easy to pay a modest monthly fee for a phone through a program like AT&T Next Up or Apple's iPhone upgrade program, with the option to trade that device in for a new one after a designated amount of time. Unless you decide to pay off your leased phone early, you can't turn around and sell it to Gazelle, And you wouldn't necessarily want to do that, as it doesn't make much financial sense. Additionally, Gazelle's early business boomed on iPhone trade-ins back when selling your phone to get the latest Apple product was a popular strategy for early adopters. Now, Apple has a robust trade-in program of its own, in addition to the leasing program that pretty much gets you the same result." And if you missed this, here's the TLDR of the amphetamine kerfluffle. Last week, a years-old and quite popular macOS app called Amphetamine announced that Apple was going to take the app down from the App Store for violating App Store policies. Amphetamine is an app that lets you control when your machine does or does not go to sleep. So, you know, the name sort of makes sense but it certainly looked like someone at Apple had suddenly decided the name suggested illegal drug connotations and wanted to take it down accordingly, quoting The Verge. William C. Gustafson said in January 1st posts on Reddit and GitHub that Apple had informed him he had two weeks to, quote, remove all references to the word amphetamine and remove the pill from the icon, end quote. If he failed to do so, Gustafson wrote, Apple said it would remove the app from the App Store on January 12th. The logo features a cartoon image of a pill. Gustafson said Apple contacted him on December 29th and told him, Amphetamine, quote, appears to promote inappropriate use of controlled substances. Specifically, your app name and icon include references to controlled substances, comma, pills, end quote. The free macOS app has been downloaded more than 432,000 times with a 4.8 rating, Gustafson said, noting that Apple even featured Amphetamine in its Mac App Store story. He said he had numerous interactions with Apple employees for updates to the app since its launch, with no one objecting to the name or logo until now. Gustafson told The Verge he got a call Saturday from Apple, granting his appeal but he didn't have insight into how the app was flagged in the first place. Quote, I specifically asked Apple on the phone if this was a result of customer complaints, and Apple's response was, I don't think so. He said, I found it odd that this issue came up out of nowhere. I wasn't in the middle of trying to update amphetamine or anything, just sitting at home with my kids enjoying our holiday and got the violation rejection email from Apple, end quote. Well, All's well that ends well. Apple has apparently agreed to leave the app up with the same name and logo. CES begins a week from today. It seems like both yesterday and a million years ago that I was in Las Vegas covering CES last year. Remember that was when Quibi had its unveiling? Think that The entire Quibi saga has come and gone since that day when you'll remember I was sort of snowed by their initial presentation. Anyway, CES is virtual this year, of course, and so we'll have to see how the news does or does not percolate this year. But the news is starting already. One of the things I know I'll miss is seeing the huge walls of TVs. For example, this LG display that can transform from flat to curved screen depending on if you want to game immersively or if you're just leaning back and Netflixing. Quoting The Verge. The company has shown off similar bendable TV prototypes before, like when it demonstrated a 65-inch TV meant for use inside planes that could bend into a curve for passengers to watch movies. This model, which is being shown off at this year's Virtual CES, features LG Display's cinematic sound OLED technology, which vibrates the screen to produce audio. The 48-inch TV could potentially offer the immersive benefits of a curved screen while gaming without forcing you to live with a curved screen's many downsides when you just want to watch TV. In terms of specs, LG Display is emphasizing the gaming capabilities of its prototype, which can bend with a radius of up to 1,000 millimeters. It's got a high refresh rate of 120 hertz a variable refresh rate range that goes from 40 hertz to 120 hertz, and a response time of 0.1 milliseconds. It's also able to vibrate its screen to produce sound, a technique that LG Display has previously shown off for its flat panels, though we imagine most gamers would probably prefer to use headphones or separate speakers. This new prototype is LG Display's latest experiment with flexible OLEDs, which have previously included a rollable TV that packs up into a compact box when not in use, end quote. Yeah, I think we spoke about that one last year. I still think it's a good idea, too. It still bothers me how much living real estate our massive TVs now take up in our rooms, even when they're mounted on walls. Seems like LG is still with me in terms of being willing to bang the drum about this, They're also apparently demoing a smart bed with a transparent OLED screen that can rise out of the bed frame for when you really want to Netflix and chill, and also a transparent restaurant or bar display that, again, can rise up out of, say, countertops. You know that old joke about how long you're still writing the previous year on your checks? Yeah, it's January 4th, and I'm still saying 2020 at the start of my podcast. I almost had to re-record the intro. So, I do indeed hope y'all had a good and safe New Year's break. Hats off to the official Counting Crows Twitter account, which cheekily tweeted at 12.06 a.m. on the 1st of January, quote, maybe this year will be better than the last kids if you're not familiar with that song google long december by the counting crows honestly one of their least offensive songs if you ask me or maybe i'm being too harsh about it my wife would certainly say that they weren't that bad i guess as mid-90s grunge light bands went anyway happy new year talk to you tomorrow